0: I want you to want me
1: Pumping Irony, Episode 9. We're almost to double digits, guys. Can you believe that? (laughs) Wow. I know. Pumping Irony Podcast is a podcast with three friends all living in Columbia, Maryland, and we talk about things we like and things we dislike. My name is Tim.
2: I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew.
1: Thanks for joining us, and uh, we're going to get right into things we like, starting out with Andrew.
2: Yeah. Uh, So I got to see a movie last week that I liked a lot. One of my most anticipated movies right. of the year, right after Civil War and Star Wars. <laughs> um, and that movie was Pop Star. Never stop, <laughs> never Stopping. Yes. Um, I saw it with Tim and Dominic um, and that movie was fantastic. <laughs> um, it is well rated R. Yes. Um, so for, you know, younger people, not for you yet <laughs> um, but for our more mature li- listeners um, that you know can handle the the, the, the jokes and, and the, the sights right. um, of the movie uh, really really great um, I, I love a lot of the Lonely Island music oh yeah so this is a movie by Lonely Island um, and you know if you've probably seen their stuff on Saturday Night Live um, you know Andy Samberg stars in the movie from S- Saturday Night Live and Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, he does a fantastic, fantastic job of this, you know, like amalgamation of like different pop stars, most mostly Bieber. Right. Um, just sort of like a, a, you know, a guy that got really famous really fast, um, hasn't had the best, you know, people in his life to tell him right. what's appropriate <laughs> um, to do and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, he just goes uh, a little bit crazy. Um, he, this The album follows him when he's, about to release his second album, um, after like this huge first album, and you know, sophomore albums are tough. Yep. And this one doesn't do so <laughs> well with the critics or the fans, or it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, because and I mean, so, you know, sort of because he basically takes you know removes everything that made the first album great, like the, the his good support team, and tries to do everything himself, write out the lyrics, and you know, get rid of his friend that you know, made all of the great music, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just sort of do everything on his own and it doesn't work out so well. Um, but it's, it's really, really funny. Uh, it has, you know, just great references to, uh, different actual, like real life things. (laughs) I'm like in the, uh, I think I never saw the Bieber movie, but I know like in trailers (laughs) there was, you know, stuff of him playing, you know, music as a kid. Uh, the trailer for this, and at the beginning of the movie, they show him, like, as a one-year-old, like, doing a sweet drum solo. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, references to, like, uh, Bieber at the and Frank house, and just all kinds of different stuff. Um, like, one of the more is, is sort of like a riff on a Macklemore song, which ended up being my favorite song in the movie, it's called, like, Equal Rights, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic uh, song about... Uh, like, legalizing gay marriage. Um, Which has already been legalized. Which is already... They point out afterwards, like, that's been legal for months. (laughs) So... (laughs) It doesn't doesn't go so well. He basically spends most of the song, you know, talking about how everything, like, you should legalize gay marriage, but I'm not gay. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) he he goes really hard to, you know, far pointing out how straight he is Uh, in this song. Um, All the while championing yeah. Marriage, mm-hmm. yeah, um, which is pretty, pretty great. Um, there was one of the songs, like the last song that played in the <laughs> credits, actually had me laughing out loud, just like while we're sitting there watching the end of the credits. It's called like, Legalize It, um, <laughs> right, yeah, um, yeah, so that was great. Um, what's one of the things that's amazing about this movie is that you actually really care- end up caring about a lot of the characters, mm-hmm. um, unlike a lot of you know, just these you know, cheap comedies. Like I That's actually good, felt yeah. sort of invested in this guy's journey and like his friends, um, which you know is, is too rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of other people just didn't go see this movie because it's doing really, <laughs> oh, <no>. really badly, <laughs> which is a shame because this is one of my favorite comedies from the last couple years. Um, uh, one, another thing I really liked about it was that the trailer doesn't give too much away. Um, it definitely you know has a lot of great jokes in the trailer. Like I mean I watched that trailer, you know, dozens of times. This like the second one that came out. Um and I thought it was amazing, but a lot of you know, the best stuff in the movie is not in the trailer, mm-hmm. which is also way too rare this uh, yeah. these days. I didn't remember that. Um yeah. So like even though like, you know, one or two of my favorite jokes were in the trailer, like I didn't feel like like either uh, there'd be better jokes later on or you'd only hear the beginning of the joke and then it would go even further to a place uh-huh. Uh, that i I would never have expected uh I think it's just a fantastic movie i don't i I know Tim,
1: yeah, I think it was like you were saying uh, deep down behind all the behind all the comedy and all the jokes and all, and all the you know the the rude humor there is a story about this guy who who started off with his two friends making music and mm-hmm. that was their dream and and growing up together, and then he kind of lost his way and kind of got you know. He became the spotlight, and his two friends kind of faded, and he, and he kind of forgot what the the, the whole joy about making music and mm-hmm. with his friends, and uh and so it's kind of a journey back to to finding that that friendship again and and what made them so great, because uh, you know he was stronger with them than he was definitely on his own, mm-hmm. and um and just the even the, the it's a joke, but if you surround yourself with people who tell you what they think you want to hear. You're not going to have any really, any really growth, which is part of the, is part of that movie also. Yeah.
2: Um, another one of my favorite things about Lonely Island in general, and it definitely counts for this movie as well, is uh, a lot, all, like all of their songs, like have such high production value. Like right. the, the music isn't a joke. Like if you change the lyrics on these songs, like to something serious, they would just be good songs. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, which is, I, th- <laughs> you know, part of why I think they're so great, um, because like. You know, it's songs that you actually want to keep listening to, mm-hmm. um, and this movie is definitely no different. Um, I had I had a blast. I definitely want to watch it again. Yeah. I'll, I'll be buying it when it comes out.
1: I would have liked to have seen it with, like, a big crowd that kind of were, was all into it, because we went on a, on a Friday afternoon, it was pretty pretty sparse yeah, in there. But in
2: fairness, probably that Friday night would have also been pretty sparse based on the <laughs> box office return. That's true. Um, um,
1: but I think it, was, it would have been a, a, a good movie to see. You know, with yeah. a bunch, with a big crowd mm-hmm. who was laughing. Around, oh yeah, when it comes out, jokes. I want to have a bunch
2: of people over and watch the movie. It's and it, it sounds of... like it'll be coming out soon because yeah. it's not doing well in Yeah. the yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I was glad that it lived up to the my, to my internal hype.
0: Yep.
2: Um, I had a blast with it, and definitely recommend it for anyone who likes that kind of comedy and is of the appropriate age. Yeah. There's a
1: ton, uh, a ton of cameos, really good cameos. Oh, yeah, great
2: cameos. I mean, cause it's felt like a documentary, so you can just have random, you know, pop stars and celebrities and stuff show up. There's this whole CMZ, like TMZ riff oh, that is gosh. way too spot on. Yes. that was like one it's of a, the funniest it's eerily accurate. Um... Like I don't know I don't like watch TMZ regularly but I think when I worked at Target it would be on the break room and stuff, uh-huh. um, so I'd seen enough to understand how creepily accurate that <laughs> right. stuff is. And you really um, don't
1: have to see much TMZ to, to get how what the, the basic of the show because it's pretty simple you know they just take celebrity stuff and they riff on it and tell stupid jokes about it which aren't that funny yeah and uh, and so they totally mock TMZ. Spot on. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> and that and a couple other things are just, like, way too close to home. Like, you're like, yeah, I know this is a joke, but, like, this is also really close to real yeah. life. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's, the of scary. Yeah. that's the best viewer. That's the best viewer, anyway. Skews really close to... <laughs> to is this yeah, you or? didn't have to change that very much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I don't know um, <clears throat> if the... the the only other Lonely Island movie I think is, is Hot Rod. Is that the only one out there? That, and I don't even know if, I mean,
2: I don't know if that was all that, or it was just something that Andy Samberg starred in, or I don't know if they directed it like they did this one. Um, yeah,
1: I, don't I never it, saw Hot Rod. Oh, you haven't? So, no. You should check it out. It's, yeah. It's, you know, we has got a couple really funny parts mm-hmm. of it. I mean, they do it. He does a really good
2: riff on, on the whole Footloose, you know, dancing in the barn to <laughs> let off steam. I've seen that scene on YouTube. It's... It's pretty. Um, I mean, like, it's, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen a couple other clips, but I've never. I've definitely never seen it all the way through. Yeah, I watched
1: it. I don't know. One day, I don't know if it was on <laughs> cable or whatever. <laughs> I sat and, and watched Hot Rod. It was pretty funny. It got good music, a lot of good '80s music to it. So, oh, so yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So I don't think Andy Sandberg has done quite as well in the, on the on the big box office as he done on, as he done on television. I yeah. But he,
0: I don't know. I like I like him better for that maybe because he seems to have like this integrity about him, and you know, like you said, it's, the music's really good, and yeah, and the stuff he does is really funny and high quality, and you know, unlike some of the SNL stars who just do whatever they...
2: to get a paycheck or right, whatever yeah. you know, to cash yeah. in. I mean, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think that's an amazing yeah. show. Yeah,
1: and and the stuff that he's creating his his. his it, for himself, is his own, and he's mm-hmm. doing it the way he wants to do it. And, yeah. you know, if it, if it lands, it lands. If it doesn't, you know, I mean, there's there's always some people out there that will appreciate it, which is yeah. good. Which is the opposite of Connor for real. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that was this character, Connor yeah. for real. Yeah. Pretty
0: so, funny. so I have to confess that I saw um, Connor for real on, we were watching some other show, you know, a few weeks ago before the movie came out, and Connor for real came out and, and did, did a song or did was doing a yeah, promo? I know he was on The Voice. So Maybe it was The Voice. <clears> and <throat> I'm like, that guy looks a lot like Andy Samberg. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was totally fooled by it for a second. And then I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. This has to be. Yeah, I, know, I know he
2: did the I'm So Humble song yeah, on The it Voice. The, it's The I'm So Humble. Because that, that song features Adam Levine. And Adam Levine's on The that Voice. That was exactly what it was. Uh, yeah. Which that song's amazing. It's <laughs> a song about him bragging about how humbly he right. is. Right. Uh, which is fantastic. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he, yeah, all like so much music is really, really great. Um, they released a couple songs before the movie came out, um, like three or four of them, and I loved all of them. And then like some of the ones in the movie ended up being my favorite that they hadn't, you know, I showed you like the Equal Rights song, no. Legalize It, and the these, the things in my Jeep. Oh album. yes, things in my Jeep. He <laughs> was just listing the stuff that's in his Jeep, <laughs> and then so I was like, I just couldn't relate. I have totally different stuff in my Jeep. I didn't think it was a good song. It's not relatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, which that song features Lincoln Park on the album, which they it did not in the I, I think the part was cut. Right. In the movie, so that was a nice little surprise in the soundtrack. Well, yeah. I look forward to watching it
0: in your big group of people yeah. when, <laughs> when it comes out on TV.
2: Yeah.
1: So that's Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Which, which is also a great title.
2: <laughs> exactly. Never stop, never stopping. <laughs> So, if you
1: want to go see it, go see it before it's pulled from (laughs) theaters, which might be wrong. As long as you're 17 or (laughs) older. Right. Yeah, because your
2: eyes, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's not much. I think there's more more language and stuff like that than it is visual stuff. I mean, there's I, one, that one the, scene. That the one, one scene is pretty graphic. Yeah, right? and that's that's mostly what I'm talking about. Right. But other than that, you know, it's mostly I think rated R for for the profuse. Oh, a- absolutely, but the one use of scene the is
2: it's yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's not what you expect. You know, when you think about you know a, yeah. a pop star scene with this, it's yeah. totally not what you expect. Which I think makes it even funnier.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we'll
1: talk more about it that often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well that's that was uh, Andrew's like for the, for this time, and so now we're going to s- switch to Russ. Alright, mine's a little bit of a
0: cheat, because I've talked about part of this before, but okay. my like is the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Ooh. Okay. We we finally watched, well, we watched them in machete order, I say. Uh-huh. Um, we watched <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, and then World's End, and then Hot
2: Fuzz. Okay. But, Ooh.
0: but we finally watched them in
2: it really doesn't matter what order you watch it. <laughs> The only thing that would change is like the, the, the running fence gap. Right, right. So, it would be a little bit different, but yeah.
0: So for those of you who aren't you know, uh, up on this, uh, it's three movies by directed by Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and actually many other um, actors appear in all of them right. also. But uh, but it's just, they're, they're three different movies, but they have the same kind of themes running through them. Um, I think Simon Pegg said something about it. it's. Uh, Edgar Wright considered each of the films a Trojan horse genre film. Said it's a uh, they have a relationship comedy smuggled inside a zombie movie, a cop movie, and a sci-fi movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I I like these because it's it's always about the relationship between um, you know Peg and Frost, and they always play different characters. Sometimes Peg's the goofball and Frost is the serious one, and sometimes. Process the goofball and Peg's a serious one Mm -hmm. and um, but it's always about their relationship and one of them kind of being stuck in adolescence Mm -hmm. and the consequences of that (laughs) but then you know you have zombies or you have (laughs) a cop buddy comedy or or um, a sci-fi the world's about to end
1: thing and I think the first one Shaun of the Dead is both of them being stuck stuck in adolescence that is that is true that's true
0: Although Simon Pegg's character is slightly, he has a job. He has a job. Yes, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's many running gags. the The cornetto joke is a running gag. Um, they're always they have some yeah, flavor. It's not of even cornetto. really a joke. It's it's just... Not, it just appears in it. <laughs> yeah. Right, so. Yeah. And the Cornetto company, I guess, was very happy that they they did this. I <laughs> ate a Cornetto
2: for the first time because of those movies. I want to see what all the hype was about. I have never
0: had one, but I would
1: love to have
0: I, one. So we it, were, was, it was
1: solid ice cream. I
2: mean, it, it, it was basically a king cone.
1: Do they they have them here in the U.S.? I had it in Israel. Okay, <laughs> and I when I went to Is, uh, to Ireland in 2014, I, I specifically stopped. In a place and got a, a cornetto ice cream and I took a picture of it. I think I sent it to you, Andrew. Yeah. and I, I
2: said, <laughs> yeah. look what I'm eating. You know? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have a, corne- a cornetto picture from Israel yeah. somewhere.
1: It's yeah, it's it's, cool. it's basically a, yeah, it's it's, it's, a solid it's ice not going to change
2: your life, right?
0: But yeah, it basically tastes like a king cone. All right, next time I'm in Europe or wherever, <laughs> I will look them up and <laughs> and have one, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I love these movies. My kids love these movies. Um, my wife claims she's only seen one, but I think that she's seen more. But I'm happy to revisit them with her. If uh, yeah. oh yeah, because yeah, it's just it's, oh yeah, it's all solid acting and solid story and
1: and I think the like the rewatchability is is really high for these movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you especially after them, you,
0: after you've seen one of them and right. you notice the jokes that are yeah. running through, like the fence joke, um, yeah. runs through all of them and and the recurring other. You know, actors that show up like yeah. uh, Martin Freeman's and all of them, Bill Nye's and all of them, and there's like five other people who
1: just show up. That, a lot of a lot of British actors. A lot of British actors, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but
0: so that's that's fine.
1: Well, I, I think the humor definitely skews British. Also, it does, which
2: which I like.
1: I like I, British yeah, humor. I skew British humor too. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: no, I love all three of those movies. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely watched all three of them in the theaters happily.
1: Um, yeah i talk about rewatchability because i i've, I've seen shawn of that several times and then when i when the world's end came out i saw that at least two times in the theater yeah, alone and yeah. i've seen it a couple times again but hot fuzz was the one that was was the one that i had not seen i think i saw it once and then i didn't see it again for a long time until i, I finally bought they have a, a blu-ray set of all three mm-hmm. of the movies yeah and then I re Hot Fuzz, and then I think I've watched it again, because it, it is so good. I mean, Hot Fuzz is... Yeah, that, and that was my our experience,
0: too, because I had forgotten a lot about Hot Fuzz, because mm-hmm. I watched it once with Carla a long time ago, yeah. and then now that the kids are old enough, it's like, oh, let's watch this also, and like, this is a really
1: good movie. <laughs> it's really funny, yeah. and uh, it's it just totally um, like skewers, I guess, the, the buddy cop action movies. Yeah. Um, how great they are really <laughs> you yep. know i mean they really are really good they're pretty entertaining uh, but yeah it has a lot of fun with, with those and then
0: all three of these movies like like never stop never stopping have have a heart to them you know even though there's all kinds of crazy stuff right. going on you care about the characters and
2: and you know so there's yeah. there's that underlying heart to it well it's also great because you know like pop star and like lonely island music you know there's, there's uh, all the music just works well as music, and not just making mm-hmm. fun of stuff. Like they, they're, yeah, they're making fun of zombie movies and they're making fun of buddy cop movies. But they're also really good zombie right, movies right. and buddy cop movies. <laughs> right. Like right, they right. they make fun of them, but they they still make a really good one instead right. of just you know a, a parody um, right. that just tries to skewer it.
1: And I don't think they're, which I think I think they're really fans of zombie movies and oh, buddy yeah, cop movies, yeah. so they want to make their own. And then the world's In, which was when I saw it, I didn't know what to expect really, and it takes this amazing, bizarre twist, in like, the like, you know, middle yeah, of it, yeah, which makes it even more <laughs> better. And good, great good cameos like in uh, Hot Fuzz, you have a uh, James Bond, you have Timothy Dalton, right. And oh, we had, and then in the third one you have James Bond yeah, also, you have a Brosnan, one, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which make great, great like sh- they show up and
2: they're really, really good. Yep.
1: Yeah. I don't see any James Bonds in the in uh, Shaun of the Dead. I have to rewatch it, I guess.
2: Yeah, so. Well, we should need Simon Pegg cast as James Bond, and then retroactively we'll have all right. Bond. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I love I love those, and uh, I know I started watching Shaun of the Dead with. Owen and Nick and you, right? That one time. All right, right? Yeah. I don't think we ever finished it, so nope. I have to, I have to watch those again. Ooh, oh well. <laughs> watch all three of them again. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. All right, so that's the Cornetto trilogy from Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. That was Russ's like for this episode, and so my like um, this this time is is a book, um, but it's a book about music. Uh, the book is called Your Song Changed My Life. From Jimmy Page to St. Vincent, Smokey Robinson to Hosier, 35 beloved artists on their journey and the music that inspired it. The author is um, Bob Boylan. He's the host and creator of MP- NPR's Music's All Songs Considered, which is one of my um, favorite podcasts. Um, so it's, it's a weekly. I think they, sometimes they do an, an extra one during the week, and they just talk about about music. That's where I get a lot of like. Um, where I hear a lot of new music that I get clued into that I, I'm not listening to, uh, I don't like all of the music uh, that they that they play, but that's okay. I don't have to like all the music, and but it's uh, you find some really good, mm-hmm. I mean, treasures in there, and and Bob Boy and, and and his co-host Robin Hilton are they they love music, and and so I think I talked about them when I talked talking about South by Southwest because they go every year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Bob Boylan. Um, it's his first book. He's a local guy. He, he you know, NPR's, um, headquarters are down in Washington, D.C., not too far. And, um, he grew up in, uh, well, he did, he moved when he was in high school to, uh, like Bethesda Silver Spring, um, from New York. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to read you this little expert excerpt. Expert, expert excerpt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read you a part of uh, Bob Boylan's kind of his journey and, and the music that changed his life, and that kind of what was the inspiration for this book. So it's a it's a short little little paragraph. He says, "In the summer of 1967, I went to my friend's Alan's house. He just returned from the record store and played for me the most mind-boggling, beautiful album I'd ever heard: *Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band*. If you're not as old as I am, it's important to note that music had never sounded like this before." Imagine growing up in a city and walking into a forest for the first time. That's what the experience of this Mm -hmm. album was like for me. We sat and listened to swirling, unidentifiable sounds from India, vaudeville, the circus, the farm, the classical concert hall, all otherworldly and newly created. We stared at the colorful colorful cover art, a collage of people, some real, some fictional, known and unknown, The gatefold opened to a photograph of a band we recognized, but one that was also deeply changed. Adorned by beards, mustaches, and bright red, green, pink, and blue, nearly day-glow military uniforms. Best of all, the lyrics were printed on the back cover, something I'd never seen before, so we could follow along word for word. It was an adventure, a journey, and to steal a term from from the day, a trip. For me, the album's closing track, A Day in the Life, was the most startling of all. It's a song that changed my life forever. The lyrics are both straight storytelling and impressionism, pedestrian and poetic. It was two completely different songs sonically melded into one, opening with John Lennon's simple strumming of an acoustic guitar as he tells a tale inspired by two different newspaper articles, one about 4,000 potholes to be repaired on the streets of Blackburn in Lancashire, the other about the death of Tara Brown, an heir to the Guinness Brewery fortune in a high-speed car crash. So that was his experience, and um, he goes on to talk a little bit about how, you know, he, he grew up as a big Beatles fan. He grew up in New York, mm-hmm. and his neighbor got to go to 65 when, when the Beatles played in, in um, I don't know if it was Shea Stadium or Yankee Stadium, but they played in New York, and, and he could only listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, you know, that was that was the, the turning point for him like from, like, well, like light to Beatles, to love of Beatles, um, and how, you know, from 1963 when the Beatles first started to 1967, just four short years, the I mean, the music of the Beatles had mm-hmm. changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's the song that changed his life, A Day in the Life. And um, and so that kind of, you know, I love music and I love hearing from other musicians about how they create and what inspires them. And so, yeah, 35 different artists um and it's a wide range of, of older and newer, and you know it's very eclectic in the in the in mm-hmm. the um, in the the type of music that people play, and you know artists from Iceland and and you know England and America, and, you know gospel blues, you know electronic. It's he it, it kind of goes the gamut, just trying to find that little nugget of what inspired you to mm-hmm. to create music. And I and I love hearing about the creative process about making music or even like making movies. I love watching right. like the background stuff of how these movies are made and, and just all the energy and the passion and the and the love goes into into making music. and music. And I think that's what kind of elevates music for me is, is if I, I mean, I like music, but then if I get to hear and, and see the creative process, it just mm-hmm. kind of opens it up to a, a, a whole bigger world for me. And so I want to talk about kind of the music that changed my life because I've been – listening to music probably all my life Mm -hmm. and i have here um this is my first album ever it's um the beach boys endless summer not the best beach boys album ever but it was was my first album Mm -hmm. and uh and as a kid growing up in southern california this is almost like required listening we kind of grew up with the beach boys even i even noticed it uh, has my little initials tq Mm -hmm. i don't know Mm how long ago i wrote that maybe this is like 40 years ago or something like that (laughs) because this is this is this is i'm having in my hand my original copy of the of the double album beach boys endless summer um but one particular song on here um it's on side three is a song called windy now it's not the best beach boys song ever but for me, as a kid, um, I remember clearly in being in third grade and I was eight years old, and there was this girl in my class mm-hmm. named Wendy who I had a crush of on course. and uh, and so that was like the first time that I kind of linked you know music and and having this you know this mm-hmm. this light like for this girl and putting the two the two together and you know just the the yearning and and all that I mean I could, I could relate to a lot of the stuff in the song because they were they were way older than me, but but in my little eight-year-old brain, I kind of connected, oh, music, and you could talk about, you know, things you're passionate about, and, mm-hmm. and we can connect the things that we're yearning or aching for to music. So that, for me, was like, kind of kind of blew my mind that, oh, here's this song, and I played it over and over and over again, I think, and I don't know what ever happened to Wendy, I don't know if it ever came to anything, but, <laughs> but yeah, so that was like the first kind of unlocking for me of, of the power of music mm-hmm. and and and. And how it can connect to our emotions and the way we feel and the way we view the world and see people, but really the the song I think the album that really kind of uh, also blew my mind was uh, this album I have right here in my hand. This is my original album also. It's called Cheap Trick at Budokan. It came out in 1978. Uh, it was a live concert. Um, Cheap Trick was a band from Illinois that that kind of was okay in in the U.S. but was loved Dude, in Japan. Japan anyway. Huge in Japan. And so they went, the first tour of Japan and the, and the people just went crazy. And then they released oh, this cool. album yep. and this album kind of broke them big in America. And uh, I played this album to death. I was just listening to it a little bit. It still plays. Um, got a little scratches here and there. You expect that on an album that's, you know, 30-something years old. Um, but, you know, I Want You to Want Me was the, was the big hit. And their live version on of I Want You to Want Me yes. On um, this album is is amazing. Um, they the, actually the recorded version of "I Want You to Want Me" is it's not that great, it's but the live, live version. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you know. It's, um, it's actually it's now my ringtone for my wife, so my wife calls me. So I hear <laughs> "I Want You to Want Me," um, and so once again, it's that power of music and relationship. And, live you know, version of the lame version. Actually, it was a lame version. <laughs> but, you know, um, I tried to find the live version. It, it, I don't know. It's across it cost it's too much. much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so cheap trick live at Budokan, um, like I said, 1978. They just got they just got indicted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame after all these years. Indicted or inducted? Inducted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe indicted <Yeah>. also. Who <laughs> knows? Yeah, we're, we're, your music is so <laughs> powerful. We, we have to yeah. indict you. We're doing some gambling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know words. <laughs> Yeah, so that's those are kind of like the things that changed my life. And I know I was wanting to open it up to you guys if if you can off the bat talk about any any song that really changed your life or, or album or, or anything like that.
0: The first album I ever bought was um, Led Zeppelin Physical Graffiti, and mm. that I mean I'd I'd had friends who who uh, were much more musically versed than I was, and I would listen to various things at their houses and all that stuff. And but that was the first album I bought. Because I love the song Cashmere, and I still love the song Cashmere. But I still, I love the whole album. I actually like all And of isn't Cashmere your ringtone? And your Cashmere is my ringtone. <laughs> yeah. I and paid for a, a good version of okay. it. Okay. Right? <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I had a very similar experience. My first album was the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> <All right. laughs> and, and Basketball Jones really, really changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Doesn't have to necessarily be your first album. Is there there a song that you really connected to that's kind of like changed your life? I think actually, what changed my life more for music than a specific song was like that the first time I went to like a concert, Mm. uh, which was like a a festival called Purple Door with you know a bunch of friends, Mm. including Tim, Um, and just being exposed to like it was you know a two-day festival, being exposed to so much music that I never heard, um, and just really. I mean, for me, I always, I tend to prefer, at this point, live music Mm -hmm. much more than uh, recorded stuff, even if it's, you know, live on an album, Mm -hmm. um, so just being exposed to, you know, that, uh, that whole scene, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, really changed music for me. Yeah, I love, I love concerts, I love live music, that's why I kind
1: of want to go to South by Southwest, because it's like a week of solid, like, live music, like, Mm -hmm. almost 24 hours a day, um, yeah, so yeah, concerts, um, can't remember the first concert I ever went to the real first concert. <laughs> I um, remember the last
2: concert I went to? Yeah, yeah, a few <laughs> years ago.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. we went and saw Escondido. We talked about Escondido, the band, um, a few episodes ago. I think episode five or six, and um, and we knew that they were coming into town, um, and so yeah, so Andrew and I went and saw Escondido in concert at this uh, little kind of coffee restaurant. Yeah. concert place. Jam and, Java. Jam and Java in Vienna, Virginia. It was pretty small. It was very intimate. It was I mean, we were right up on stage, um, not like
2: on the stage, but like we could touch the stage. <laughs> yeah, we could
1: reach out and you know shake the guy's hands if you wanted yeah. to, um, but we didn't. We kind yeah, of we kinda kept it you know, kept it professional. <laughs> I, <stole a> <laughs> I was yeah. told Andrew, He should get up there and like please play the solo with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we saw Escondido and they were really good and 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 it, once again. Hanging out with them afterwards and talking about them and, and talking about with with Tyler James about recording the album and mi- mixing and producing mm. and yeah,
2: he, apparently he did like everything, uh, yeah. like musically, not you know singing obviously. So like I think he said everything but the drums. Yeah, all uh, the album and you know the the vocals that obviously aren't his. Right. Um, Yeah. So that was
1: fun just to to sit around and talk about once again talk about the the, the creative process yeah. and. and uh, and so, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, they were really good, and, and and we got a picture of them, and I put it on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, amazing. You amazing might have seen life. it. Yeah. All right, so that's my like, and after a short break, when I play one of the songs that changed my life, <laughs> we'll come back and talk about our dislikes. Dislikes and as usual we start in reverse order so that means I'm up first to talk about the thing that I dislike and <laughs> the thing I dislike this week is the is the internet uh, no <laughs> more like internet <laughs> more like rude people on the internet and and the, are you reading your comments again
2: <laughs> I, I am reading the comments again which I always I never read the comments not to do
1: but. But not necessarily the, the, the internet, but just how the, the, the day and age we're living in where anyone can shoot off, mm-hmm. you know, the first stupid thought or whatever that comes to their mind without even giving any thought to it. And then it's all out there for everyone to see, you know, I'm talking about mean tweets and, and mean comments and, and it's just, there's just a lot of rude, obnoxious, evil, stupid people out there. Um, on both sides of the aisle, I don't care what it is—if it's talk about politics or anything—so um, block buttons are for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that could be your like block buttons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a couple things that really kind of triggered it for me. Uh, obviously, there's, there's this—you know—in the news lately is this, this the gorilla in the zoo being shot, and then just the, the outcry from people who just, oh, that's you know, without even thinking about it yeah. or without even considering anything, they just shoot off. You know, well, the last should have never happened, and those parents are bad, and yep. and and all this stuff, and and you know, there's a couple of funny memes about how you know suddenly everyone's an expert on gorillas and parenting and and all that stuff, where we don't even actually even have to think about our what we're saying, we just say it, and 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 but it has no value, and, and but in this in this era where everything is like now kept and categorized and and, and shared, and and everything is out there permanently, and. And for me, I kind of liken it to, it's like the modern day writing on the bathroom walls. Like you've got, we've oh, all yeah. been in the stalls, yep. you we, know, we, and we've all seen this stupid stuff that people write on bathroom walls. And you're like, who does these things? I don't I don't know anyone because of that, you know, it has a bit of, you know, you're anonymous. Right. No one sees yeah, you they, do yeah, it. You write on the bathroom exactly. wall and then you leave and, and, um, and probably never return or whatever. Right. Um, but just some of the stupid stuff. And so now that is now kind of amplified in this day where we can just shoot off. Whatever stupid thing, and uh, but now it's there's not any anonymity behind it
2: because you have your whatever your username or your well a lot of it people do it because they're anonymous like if you mean if you have a username that's not related to you know you know weird boy six eight three or whatever that's you're anonymous at that point I know but Um, still but yeah Facebook which is the bathroom wall of the future (laughs) um, yeah is definitely less anonymity and I'm shocked at the things people would say. Oh yeah, because you would never say those in real life, and that's the thing. Right. The 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 thing is, you probably would never say these
1: things in real life. And what another bit that really got me is is this is now a couple months old, and it's been all over Facebook. But these two um, female uh, sports writers in Chicago just got just got tons of tons of crap from guys and other people, um, mean tweets, and uh, and they were just kind of sick of it. And so they actually brought in men. Not the uh-huh. people who wrote Ooh. these tweets, but they had men, and they had to sit down right in front of these women, and they had to read uh-huh. what, other, what other guys said, like, you know, I hope you're Bill Cosby's next victim, or I hope okay. your boyfriend beats you with a bat. You know, just really just vile things, and they had to read them in, in, in face-to-face with these women, yeah. and it was, it was really shocking to see these guys' reaction, because they're like, I would never say this. Maybe they're telling the truth, maybe they have, so, you know, because a lot of times people try to put masks, like, I'd never say something like that. But, you know, to see the reactions of these guys, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they probably wouldn't say anything like that. But to have to sit in face-to-face and say these mean, really vile right. things to the women who, and they, you know, they're like, and they they clearly got uncomfortable. And guys, one of the guy's asking, like, do I have to read this? I'm like, yeah, just, you know, the producers of this segment, yeah, just mm-hmm. read it, you know. And they were some of the guys were even, like, breaking down. and And that's what it is. It's like, if, you can't, if you're not going to say it face-to-face with someone, don't say it on the Internet. I know that's, that's going to fall on deaf ears because I'm not going to change anything. <laughs> but I just feel like I'm ranting because I have this podcast, and I could do that. <laughs> um, and maybe you're sick of that also. Maybe people out there are sick of it. And what can we do to change it? And that's finally the question I'm posing to everyone. What can we do to change it? What can we do to elevate society to a point where we're not just shooting off the first stupid thing that comes to mm-hmm. our
2: mind? I think you need to say worse things to the people that are making the comments. But that's the solution. definitely the solution. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that I, works. <laughs> I haven't tried that. Maybe I should start trying it and see what, what, uh, what
1: reaction I get.
2: <laughs> yeah. All
1: right. Maybe it's, maybe his dislike is reading comments. Maybe I should stop doing that. But I, <laughs> I, I tell myself every time, but and then nope. I keep doing it.
2: But that's my dislike. Yeah. That's why I'm not on Facebook very much. Right. All right. Well, my dislike is...
0: That we're coming to a point where we no longer re- need human screenwriters. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> have, you guys, have you guys watched? I, have I haven't watched, watched, I haven't watched it, *Sunspring*. It. I haven't bookmarked. <laughs> right. All right. So, um, a, a, an artificial network, an artificial intelligence network, which calls itself Benjamin. Um, was fed the script the scariest part. of dozens of science fiction movies, including such classics as Highlander Endgame. I don't know if that's a classic, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, really, what <laughs> Ghostbusters, Interstellar, and The Fifth Element. And then it was asked to create a screenplay, including actor directions and a set of prompts um, and all this stuff. It was, it was part of the uh, Sci-Fi London Fe- Film Festival's 48-hour challenge. So it was, good, it was supposed to write a film in 48 hours, and... It is hilariously bad. <laughs> all the sentences make—I mean, all the dialogue makes sense as a sentence, but uh-huh. strung together, it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they they did this, and then they shot the movie, um, assigning actors to random parts, and it's just—it's fun. It's—it's it's really funny, <laughs> funny and. You got to go see it, but uh, it's scary that the computers are now writing screenplays. Well, are they really, <laughs> or are they really? <laughs> but it, it is weirdly entertaining, and uh, so it's kind of a like because it's just so weird. Yeah. But check it out. We'll put a link to it in the in the notes. But it's called Sunspring. It's about nine minutes long. And
1: oh yeah, so I was I was wondering how long it was before yeah, I yeah, clicked
0: no. on it. I was like, I, no, it's it's fun and ridiculous.
1: <laughs> Well, yeah. that's that's the age we're getting into, where yep. artificial intelligence will run everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. And then the artificial intelligence will be acting. You just have a bunch of series <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. So um, so what, what if artificial intelligence starts acting? That would be like artificial, artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. It's like two
2: layers deep, man. How deep they're, can they're this taking, go? They're
0: taking over the world, right? <laughs>
1: I wonder
2: if you can put like an iPhone and Android phone together. Like, what would happen if you got Siri to say "Okay, Google" and start doing a thing? I, and bet,
0: then, I bet we could do that. Yeah, I think that's the start of the singularity right there. That's right. Because <laughs> then they're
2: just talking to each other at that point. Because Siri, you know, says command, and then Google does a thing, and then Siri responds to Google, right? And, like, oh man, that is the start of the singularity. <laughs>
0: Skynet,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if you play this this uh, sunspot to other artificial intelligence that they'll get it. If they'll get it. If they'll think it's, that's the best um, thing I've ever. Sunspring. Oh, Sunspring. Yeah. Get the title right. Sunspring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sunspot <laughs> would make any sense. <laughs> It'd be ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, if you you play Sunspring, maybe like it's a, it's a big hit on in the robot circuit, you know? It could be, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense yeah, to them. I mean, Yeah, we just don't get it, man. <laughs> Our brains so, are too puny. Yeah, so. you just have a bunch of hipster AI.
0: <clears throat> but I highly recommend watching. It's, it's worth your nine minutes just to be like,
1: what?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I have it. Like I said, I, have, I saw it. I have it bookmarked. Yeah. Didn't have a chance to watch it yesterday, but definitely want to.
1: All right. All right, so bring us home, Andrew. What's your dislike? Oh, I've got another hot take. All right, <laughs> awesome.
2: Um, my, it's even you know more incredulous than people that don't like uh, comment sections on the internet. Uh, I don't like people that talk during movies. Oh. <laughs> oh. and mess with the movie. Amen. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. This came up. This was not going to be my dislike until about eleven thirty last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I went I went and saw, I went went to see The Conjuring 2 last night, because I loved the original Conjuring. Uh-huh. Um, I was super excited to get out and uh, and watch <clears throat> uh, the sequel, which I heard was pretty good. Um, it was, you know, James Wan at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to check it out, and they were the most obnoxious couple groups of teenagers, yeah. like in the rows, like in front of me, um, just, you know, talking to the movie, or laughing, or, you know, m- having a run- running commentary. Yeah. Um, and like, it, so the, for the first time, I like, I just like got up and I left and, oh, wow. I, and I got, you know, a, a re-entry pass. Oh, that's good. And I was yeah. like, I just can't, cause like yeah. I was seeing like some really cool, like creepy stuff and like just could not like actually get into yeah, the movie right. because of these people. Um, and it was just incredibly frustrating. It's the worst, you know, probably the worst it's ever been in any theater, yeah. uh, that I was in. Um, I just
1: can't believe that teenagers would hear the, the the beginning thing where it says talking is disruptive and
2: <laughs> phones are distracting. Well, here's the problem: they all came in 25 minutes late, <laughs> Oh, so they missed so it. They, they totally oh, so must it's, have missed it's it. Not their fault, then. Yeah, why? Like, why three separate groups of teenagers came in that late to the movie? I don't. I my I don't, like honestly, I was because I don't even think they were like they were actually checking IDs, hmm. you know, at AMC. Like I, they checked like me and Dominic for Pop Star, even. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know.
1: They need to me so out.
2: yeah they've been too uh, old. they've been cracking down at AMC so yeah. I'm like I don't know if these kids like came out of another movie and just decided to pop uh, into the That's probably what happened because um, there's like a bunch of different like I mean it was like 10 or 12 people yeah um, all coming in 25 minutes late you know to a 10:30 movie so right. uh, yeah it was incredibly obnoxious um, the hour that I saw might have been really good of the movie mm-hmm. um, it's kind of tough to tell. Um, cause I mean, we've talked before about how, you know, important the, you know, the setting you're watching, you know, a movie and like, yeah. you know, it would be great to watch pop star with a bigger crowd. Right, right. Um, I think scary movies are like the, the, the biggest, you know, uh, example of that where, you know, if you see a, see a movie with a group that's into it, right. even a bad movie could, gets elevated right. yeah, yeah. or a good movie like this, it's might ruined. have been yeah. just gets totally ruined <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I left after, like, one scene, like, I saw, like, you know, the, the visuals were just, like, so creepy, and I was, like, really into the visuals, but, like, I just wanted to, like, mute the world around me. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, would this be better if I was wearing, like, headphones and I couldn't hear? <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah I, was, I was just really unhappy, so gonna have to try to catch that again. Yep. Um, well, at least you got a free it. Yeah. There was no way I was paying for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, in the same way. I mean, I I thought that maybe Andrew would talk about this also because we went to a concert recently, and um, and even talking in concerts um, is is ridiculous at a ridiculous level. Like, we, it was an outdoor concert, you know, but we were underneath the where the pavilion thing. It was at the yeah, Abbott Brothers, and and they were playing this new song, which was kind of a slow and and just the roar of the crowd. I mean, you, it was it was audible. I don't know how many decibels it was, but just you could barely hear the song over the roar of the crowd, and people are having Full blown conversations at a concert. I'm like, can you do that at home? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah you paid a lot of money you, to go to this yeah, concert. You saved a lot of money to have a conversation <laughs> at home. And I understand that you want to be with friends, and but to go to a concert, you're. I mean, the for me, for me personally, the music is it. I'm there to see the band. I'm here there to see yeah. the music. I'm there to see them perform it live and and give them the, the respect and the honor that they deserve because they're working hard and they're right. and they're even if a band I don't even know, like the guy that was. Before them was incredible Chris Jacobs. He was an incredible guitarist. Um, but these people were—I mean, full-blown conversation—and and they actually at, at a concert because it's so loud. The people are now yelling right. to try to—and I don't know if it's alcohol is involved in it—and and that drunk people are, don't think and just like don't care about anyone hard else. And so yeah. that might be hard part of it. But for me, that was like teenagers <laughs> in the movie. Teenagers <laughs> in <the> movies, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, we're, we're rallying against society and. <laughs> this podcast, but yeah,
2: um, yeah. what can you well, do? I, feel, I feel pretty secure on top of my high horse right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a nice view up here. Get the good, good, hang on the reins. Yeah, my, my high horse is on a soapbox.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sorry to get all high and mighty on people. Society's there. going to hell yeah. but yeah, but, don't yeah. be a jerk teenager in a movie. Is all I'm saying. Or don't be a drunk jerk at a concert. All right. Well, that's, that's <laughs> that <wraps up. laughs> episode nine of uh, the Pumping Irony podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Tell us what you like, dislike. Tell, tell us the songs that changed your life. Yeah. Share stories of rude people um, <laughs> in, in any movies you like and what you like about it. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Any AIs out there? Talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, like, give us your your AI jokes or your your pitch ideas of screenplays or songs. Hey, have an AI write a song. That'd be the next thing. Oh man. Oh, that should be that should be that should be coming <laughs> soon. All right. Well, uh, yeah, you can interact with us on on our Facebook page or on our website, PumpingIronyPodcast.com. dot um, Like us on on iTunes. Give us a rating. Tell us what you like. What you dislike. And uh, we'll catch you next time for our double-digit episode 10. Once again, I'm Tim.
2: I'm Russ. And I'm Andrew.
1: We'll see you later.